And what we do is we compare that with, with, the, with the age of social media. We look at everybody's highlight reel on Facebook, don't we? Facebook is a highlight reel. When you compare an everyday day of yours to somebody's ta-da album on Facebook, sometimes we want to type, type that status as, my life is not what I, it's, it's not what I want. It's, 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 not, it's not what I thought it was supposed to be. Today we're going to be in the fourth chapter of Philippians, and we're going to start in verse 10, but we're going to be there in just a second. I want to tell you something this morning. Number one, my name is Matt Griswold. I'm the lead pastor here at Connection, and we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting for the first time with us, welcome. Uh, We're not going to make you stand up. We're not going to give you high fives at the end of service or whatever. People may come and talk to you. That's okay. They don't have rabies. We checked. And we just want you to understand that you are with family this morning. Now, one of, the, one of the cool things we're going to get into, now since we're around lunchtime, I'm going to make sure that I talk about food a whole lot. And I, I mean, I told the 9 o'clock services that I was going to be mean, but I'm not going to. I told them that I was going to let you out at 3, but I was going to talk about food for 4 hours, but I'm not going to. I want to say thank you. Now, at, at Connection, we don't, we don't put people's names in our worship handouts, and we don't, uh, we don't memorialize them with plaques on the wall and everything like that. But I want to say thank you, because you're sitting, in an, you're sitting in an environment right now that was created for you. We have people that, that, that serve by cleaning, they vacuum, they wipe down chairs. Without the things that we all do, if you're a member of Connection or if you're getting involved with Connection, without you doing what you do, we don't get to do the kingdom work that God has for our church. And that's just a thank you from me to you. Because in this letter, this last part of the chapter 4, Paul's writing a thank you letter. He's ending it with some thank yous. In his literary course, as he journeys through Philippians, he comes to the end, and he is saying, thank you. But he says, thank you in a very different style than what our first world American minds think. Uh-oh. We've, we've been throughout Philippians through the past seven weeks, and this, today's the eighth. And today we finally get to, get to grab verse 10 through 21 of Philippians. And now I know what you're thinking. I know what verse we're going to talk about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There, that's a power verse, isn't it? Man, that's like... A, you know, if, you're, if you're lifting spiritual weights, that is like... I mean, it's like... You know, look at me. That verse is awesome. That, oh. And we're going to talk about something in my life where I use that verse, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, probably yes is the answer. I took it out of context. Now we're going we're gonna to see how Paul, how that verse fits in. I just want you to pay attention. In this sermon, you're going to hear about money. I'm not going to talk about tithing, so don't mute me. I'm going to talk about being content. I know, don't mute me. Listen to what God has to say for us today. If you have your worship handout, by the way, somebody probably handed you one of these. If not, they're out by the door. There's, pop, there's coffee and popcorn. He'll grab you some. We invite you to be comfortable. Why? When you're comfortable, you listen. God's wanting to speak to us. He's wanting to get us. Watch this. God often wants us to get us into a comfortable spot so He can speak to us uncomfortably. He's kind of wanting it. 
does he ever do this to you? <laughs> Just kind of, hey, <clears throat> you've been, excuse, excuse me, you're a little too comfortable. Now watch, look at the first blank. Now I know some people are going to be happy today. If you are a fill-in-the-blank person, you're happy because we have blanks. And if you're one of those people that say, I really like the space at the bottom so we can, type, we can take our own notes, you, you both win today, okay? It's right there, all right? But now watch this question. Paul immediately gets sharp here. <laughs> immediately. Look at this. How content are you? We're going we're gonna to talk about we're gonna talk about this. If I ask you one on one, scale of one to ten, you get to grade yourself, by the way. On the very bottom by that note page, I want you to write a number out of one one and ten. Ten being the most content, one being mm, I'm not content, I'm really into what I want. I want you to write that number down. Don't show it to anybody. If you think that your neighbor is gonna copy off you or look off you, just write it down right here. Punch it on your cell phone, put it in your pocket. It's very important that we see this. Watch this. Watch. How content are you? If I talk to you one on one and I said, how content are you with your job? I'm already getting smiles. You're like, oh, I didn't know he was going to talk about jobs. How content are you with your job? Do you have to go or do you get to go? Oh, I know. I know. Oh, you keep using that. You keep using that. God keeps using that. He says, look how good I've been to you. Look how good. Look what I've done for you. If I, if I talk to you one-on-one, would you be completely content with your house? And some of, uh, some, of, some of you have far greater skills than I do. You know, you frequent Lowe's a lot more than I do. Okay, I go to Lowe's and look at the grills. <laughs> See, that's what I need to trade out. If somebody wants to do some handiwork around my house, I'll trade cooked, f- smoked food. That would be great. I, I, we could have the house of our dreams. <laughs> now, right now we're doing, a, we're doing a remodeling project. And it's not intensive, labor intensive. It's just a pain. You know what I mean? One thing leads to another thing. And then if you fix these two things and you put them beside this thing, you're like, oh, let's fix this thing. Let's paint this thing. And it's like it's never going to end. But we see the light at the end of the tunnel. One day it's going to end. We might throw a party for our neighborhood. Hey, our bathroom's done. Now listen, how content are you? I've been studying... Over the last two months, as we've, been, as we've been diving into Philippians, I have been... If you read a scripture, you, you normally just read. Oh, you may read some notes in the study part. But I have books at home. But if, that if the main line of the, of the scripture depth is here, they're about somewhere here. I didn't write them. I just read them. Because I want to know some background information. Things popped out to me in Philippians chapter 4 that I have never seen before this week. Why? Because God's word is living and active and it's always changing. It, it, it can move, it can teach us every time that we read it. Different things. But one of the big things that I've noticed is, and I don't like admitting this, but because we're such a, what I would call a real church, we're real people and we have real problems. But we serve a real God and He's real big. But I, I, I went through this. I, this, this cannot, this will not get out of my mind. Matt, how many things in this life do you take for granted? How content, really, really, how content are you? And I get taught this almost on a nightly basis in the times that I pray with my kids. 
Seven and four. I'm telling you, some of their applications in their prayer goes beyond some of theological's greatest thinkers. Now watch. Last night, I heard a prayer that said this. God, help us all sleep good. Help everybody in the world sleep good. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you for my bed. Please help everybody sleep good, even the bad guys. Even the bad guys. Think about that. I walked out of that room last night and I'm like, oh, please teach me how to pray like my four-year-old. Please teach me to remember these simple truths. And this came echoing back as we studied Philippians. Matt, how content are you? We see that Paul is content in all the circumstances that he faces in the book of Philippians. You can look at other letters and he, in, in, in other letters, he's, it shows the record of how many times he was beaten Yet he remains content. Why? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be careful how you think of that verse. What if you woke up tomorrow? I've heard this said two ways. What if you woke up tomorrow and you only had the things that you needed? Would you be content? That's food, water, shelter, by the way. That doesn't include Xbox, vehicle, cell phone. I know some of you are having phone withdrawal. Oh. If we all didn't have cell phones, we'd walk around for a couple weeks like this. He was like, what is that? Oh, he's coming, he's coming off of it. Now listen, how content would you be? And I've heard it said this way. What if God blessed you with tomorrow the things that you thanked him for today? There are times I'm probably waking up, I'm waking up in the yard. If I thank him for the yard, I may be in the street. Now think about that. How content are you? How okay, are you okay with your life and how God is using you? Are you okay? This is a, hard, this is a really hard question because we live in the United States of America. A very blessed, materialistic country. Would you be joyful if you woke up tomorrow and the only thing that you had was the things that you needed? Oh, Don't mute me, please. Don't internally mute me. Look at this. Look at verse 10. Look at 10. We're going to start in chapter 4, verse 10. Look at this. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now watch. He is literally ending his letter. Philippians was not originally written as a book. It was written as a letter. He is ending this. This is like in conclusion. Hey, I, write, I have to write a lot of papers. And most all of them say, well, make sure you include your conclusion. How you wrap everything up. Now watch how he wraps this chapter up. Watch how he wraps this book up. He's thanking them. He is sending this letter from prison to the church in Philippi. They've been hugely significant in his ministry helped him financially, prayerfully. Paul helped start the church in Philippi. They saw how good Jesus was. Their lives were changed and they wanted to support his ministry. And many times that I grew up in church where we have a, a special concert come in or a special group of people and we would give them a love offering, right? To support their to ministry. I support, we support Compassion International. We support Compassion International we sponsor a child in Ghana. Oh wow, you are superhuman people. No, <laughs> listen, listen. 
I was at a conference and I saw a compassion child that was over the age of 18 because they stopped, they stopped the support at 18. And that kid, that, that young adult, 20 or 21, she came and she spoke about the significance of what compassion had done in her life. That she had received the help she needed, the schooling, the medicine, the clothes, the food. And she said, would you prayerfully consider to, to give and at that moment in time, Mary thought, hey, Mary and I thought, hey, this is something that we need, that we need to do. It has godly kingdom-ability principles in it. So we, so, we, so, so we support it. And Paul's thanking them. He said, hey, I just, I just want to say thanks. We don't put people's names up on the, on the board. We don't, have a, we don't have any wall in this church behind any, behind any door or anything, I promise, that we have... Uh, we, every Sunday, we, we go back there with, with a new color of pen, and we said, oh, Matt, wash the windows. And next Sunday, blah, 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 blah. We don't do that. You know why? It's not about us. There's nothing in this building that's about us. It's all about Christ. You, you know, you can, cook, you can cook popcorn for Jesus. You can wash toilets for Jesus. I know. Mute. I don't want to do that. Ugh. Do you ever get dissatisfied if we don't have the things that we want? This is hard. This is really hard. I had a hard time doing this. You know, you know I had a hard time studying this? Because I'm a human being. And we're selfish sometimes. I'm selfish with my time. I'm selfish with other things. Maybe, maybe you can relate. Maybe you guys are more, way more awesome than I am. But sometimes we can be selfish. So these words really scream. It's very easy to get carried away with the things that we want. Isn't it? How, I've said this before. How happy would your kids be if they got up on, on Christmas morning and you had just hundreds and hundreds of wrapped gifts under the tree and every single one of them they opened, it was empty. I know some of the kids are here and go, don't do that. Now, that, how content. And if you explain to them, listen, you, they would open one, each one. Maybe they had a slip of paper. We're thankful that the house that we had in. See, there's a difference in the way that we think because of our culture. We want a lot of things. I want a lot of things. And stuff is not bad. Having things, having stuff is not bad. I said a 9 o'clock service, and I just want to reiterate this to give a, a, a whole church-wide um, invite to this. I don't, we don't own a boat. If you do, call me, and I'll ride in it with you. I also like to fish and baptize fish in Greece. It's the second favorite baptism. First is baptizing people in the name of Jesus, and the second one is dipping, dipping fish in hot grease and baptizing them and then eating them. But see, our stuff is not bad. Our stuff is not bad at all. But do we get dissatisfied when we don't get everything that we want? It's our culture. It's ourselves just yearning to have everything that we need. Look at what he says in verse 11. <laughs> this guy's in prison. Okay? So in verse 10, he just says, he just says, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Meaning they couldn't help him all the time. There were times that he was away from them. Then he says this, not that I was ever in need though. <laughs> now think, about, think about the context of the, this man's mind that he must have been looking at in his cell. He has chains on, okay? Probably, on his feet, hand, or both. Now watch this. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. 
Now think about this. Now my sense of humor got in the way, okay? But I'm thinking, what's Paul walking around his cell going, oh, these are nice. These are much nicer than I had last week. I mean, think about that. He, he has contentment, and he is in a place that is not okay. But why is he there? He's there because he was proclaiming the, the salvation experience and love that's available in Jesus. This is why he gets in trouble. So he's in jail. So now he says, okay, fine. I was never really in need of anything. And we're going to see what he says about that, but... I'll be content wherever I am. We live in the United States of America. And I will never, I will never get up here and talk about any type of politic anything on purpose. Okay? But this is, this is the deal. This is what I think. We have some things that we could obviously get better at doing. But listen, even in spite of those flaws, I live in the most unbelievable, best country in the world. Why? It was founded on the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Its foundation, its foundation was built, if you read the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, it will scream to you, God is who we base this on. It's all about... The country. God gives us the strength. One of my favorite books of all time is Abraham Lincoln's personal devotional journey, a journal. It is, it is awesome. It's incredible. You're talking about a guy, and I think he was in prison during the Civil War. <laughs> Listen, he had no way to go. Yet his faith, he was content. We have, we have things like this. And we live in the United States of America. We have this. We have cell phones, vehicles, running water, and luxuries that people elsewhere in this world just simply don't have. If you have children and they have this, I did not scope out your house. I do not know what you have, but I just want to let you know this. Emma's in second grade. She's our oldest girl. A couple years older than that in, in Summersville grade school. Uh, just so happens that we live by Summersville. That's where, we go to, that's where they go to school. The fourth graders? Fourth graders. You're like, you get, I think you turn nine in fourth grade. That's the big... Awesome. Nine. You know, there's a pretty good majority of those fourth graders that have cell phones. Now, I'm, I, do not leave here. Do not go crazy on me on Facebook. Well, Pastor Matt said you can't have a cell phone to your eight. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But look at the stuff that we have. There's people. <laughs> how many people, just really quick showing, how many people have running water in your house? Okay, put your hands down. You're richer than 75% of the entire world's population. How many people knew that? If you drove or rode in a vehicle, raise your hand. Okay, put it down. You ready for this? You were in the top 5% of richest people in the world. I don't, some of you are going to have a little bit... Huh, huh. I heard a statistic today at church and it just makes me feel good. I'm in the top five for now. Watch. We don't see it because we are in a culture that compares and compares. When you compare with people that don't have, we compare our life with, with, with Paul's. If I woke up tomorrow and I had only food, shelter, and my family, and water, something to drink, would I be content? 
We have a first world mind. In verse 12, Paul says, Paul says again about this content. Look at this. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. <laughs> you remember a really high point in your life? Man, you had it all figured out. You had a really good job, maybe. Maybe you're making a lot of money. Maybe you didn't make a lot of money, but you had a lot of cool stuff. And there's probably times in our life where we didn't have nearly as much as we thought. Mary and I think it's, it's kind of funny to think about the, the, the things that we splurged on when we, were, when we first got married. You know, like TV. We had a TV. That was us splurging. You know how else we would splurge? We would go get like a $5 Little Caesars pizza. We just didn't have a lot of money. Our girls understand that we don't eat out a lot. If we eat, man, it is special. It's special. You know how we, you know how we figure out which, which restaurant to go to? We look through our gift cards, see which restaurants we have them for. Now watch. What? The secret of living in every situation, he says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's on a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. I'm going to take a wild stab and say that you guys, some of you would get up and leave if I kept you in here until 3 o'clock. Because we're going to start talking about food. You're like, oh, I'm starving. Maybe you didn't eat breakfast before you came. Maybe you're not a breakfast eater, but man, if you're not a breakfast eater, when lunch comes around, boom, you're going to hit some lunch. Now watch. Paul gets very intimate here. Ask yourself this question. Please don't elbow your mate. Please do not answer out loud. How many people would be content if you were hungry? You know how content your children are, right? Mom, I need a snack. Maybe that only happens in my house. Maybe. I need a snack. I'm hungry. How many people would be content if you woke up tomorrow morning and the first thing that you went to do is make coffee, but there was no coffee? I know. Scary. It scares me too. Yeah, I like coffee. Some of you are like, you don't even want to talk to me without coffee. Now watch. Paul says that even without these life luxuries, he has enough. Why? Because he has Christ. And we can talk about first world situations. We can talk about all this. And I really want to dive into this next verse because it's one of my life verses. And as you're going to see, it's not necessarily one of my life verses. It's a verse that's changed my life. Look at the next verse. If you've memorized it in another translation, I know it's going to look a little different. It says the same thing. Okay? Look. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I memorize this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know why I like that verse? I like, I like strengthens me part. <laughs> I was in college. And say I, 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 I adopted this in college. I would be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be getting ready to hit playing baseball, and the, and the guy ahead of me would either, you know, he would, he would finish his at bat, and then, then it'd be my turn. Now, if, you, if you've ever gone to a minors game or to a college game or to a major league game, it's really cool to have, like, the walk-up song, right? I mean, you have to have something cool. I mean, I'm dating Mary. She has to be impressed with my song, right? So I knew that if I, if I, if I milked it enough, and I put enough pine tar... On and I know, I know I'm a I'm a pastor. Please don't hold this against me. You know what my walk up song was? 
Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. It's a great song. And I knew that if I milked and got enough pine tar, it would go, it would get to the guitar part. And I would get up, and you know what I would do? I would step, I'd put my back foot in the box, and I would look down and get my sign for my coach. And I would get ready to get in the box, and I would take my bat, and I would do this. And right here, I would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm going to tell you something. For me, right then, that's completely wrong and out of context of this verse. Now think about this. What if the pitcher, he's getting right here, I stepped in the batter's box and the pitcher's like this, and he goes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now time out. Is it me against him? Is there some kind of cosmic explosion because we both prayed that? Now watch. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nowhere in Philippians does, does Paul talk about whether you hit a fastball or you hit a three-point shot or whatever you did and you like to do, whether you played piano, whatever you did, whatever you like to do, cook, bake, clean, sew, act, I don't know. The reason that I got stuck on this verse is there's two words in this verse that I really like. Do you know what they are? I and me. You like those, verse? You like those words? I and me. Sweet. I can. <laughs> Sweet. I can, Christ gives me strength. I like this verse. Oh yeah. Bring your 90 mile an hour fastball, bro. Let me see how far I can hit it. Completely out of context. Completely. Absolutely not okay. This is one of the most misinterpreted verses in the entire Bible. You know why it's so easily done? Because it has I and me in it. Anytime we include I and me... (laughs) We're usually in trouble. We usually can't get, get, can't get right. He says, I can do all things through gives me strength. Look at this. Now I'm going to read. You, you, you focus on this. Now something that you may not have ever done is this. Right now I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 right before this and then you watch what it says. It's going to completely change right in front of your eyes. I'm not a magician, but watch. Not that I was ever in need... For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was on a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It says nothing about fastballs. It says nothing about things that I can achieve. Paul says whatever situation I'm in, If I step back and let God, He'll give me the strength to get past it, through it, over it, whatever you have to do. Look at your worship handout at the next blank. Look at this. And I know some of you think, man, this is just a this is just a this is just a real on the crust sermon. There's not a lot of depth. Please hang with me. Look at this. It's not about what we can do, it is all about what Jesus has done. I'm going to share with you another verse that is, oh man, it is anti, if you read it as a person and you read it, it is completely anti you. And it's anti me when I read it. One of the most misinterpreted verses in, in the Bible is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it, we think it empowers us. Actually, it has a whole lot to do, if you want to take some notes, it has a whole lot to do with the, with the scripture of John 3.30. And it says this, I must decrease so that Christ may increase. What's that mean? I don't get that. <laughs> it means in the situation to remove yourself and to let God. Uh-oh. I, I know. You would talk about something scary. 
It's not about us. It's all about Christ. It has to do with this. I've faced some hard trials and challenges in my life. When I was stuck on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and it was like a, mm, yeah, me, awesome, me verse. When I was stuck on that level of thinking, it caused a lot of issues. Remember the I and the me is in that verse? I and me with me is a big problem. Because I and me get in the way a lot. A lot. And in, in the beginning parts of our marriage, maybe like some of you, I wasn't the best husband that I could be. I wasn't the best son or brother or cousin or employee or follower of Jesus that I could be. And I'm still not all the way there. I like, I like this shirt. Okay? I'm not the man I ought to be. But thank God I'm not the man that I used to be. Now watch this. Watch. There were times early in our marriage. Number one, first two or three, four years, I wasn't the husband that I was supposed to be. It was all about me. It was all about I. Me. Not us. Or we. It was me. And God got my attention when a friend of mine came to our church from out of state. He came with a band. And he led a little devotion that I was a part of. And he, he said, I just want to talk about this one verse that I found. And I think it's just, it's just unbelievable. And I said, man, I wonder what verse he's going to talk about. And he pulls out John 3.30. He said, I must decrease so that Christ may increase in my life. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> Problem was, I wasn't getting out of the way. This is what Paul says. When we get out of the way, God can do it. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about situations in my... In my there, there's, there's no way she should have stayed married to me. I did nothing illegal. I did nothing biblically concerning the, the ability for divorce. I didn't do anything like that. I just wasn't the husband or person that I should be. Can't imagine how lonely... The only, the only thing she did was pray for me. She kept praying for me. She kept praying for me. And finally, one day, that verse came through to me, and I realized that I was trying to do everything on my power. Have you ever tried to do anything on your own power? How'd that go? <laughs> you're, you're laughing. I'm assuming we have the same answer. Not so good. <laughs> have you ever had a challenge? Now watch this. So we all just answer the same way. Have you ever had a challenge come up in your life, maybe a loss of a loved one, you lost your job, you didn't, the situation in your life comes up, and you literally were at a point in your life when you said, God, I can't do this. Please use someone, use me, something. I need you. God, I need you. Have you ever been desperate for God? I mean desperate for God. My grandfather told me, he said, growing up during the Depression, one of the, one of the reasons that I think the churches were so full, he said, the only thing they had, the only thing we had was God. We had nothing else. We were not wealthy. And we come today and we look at the stuff and we've got back in the way. We've got back in the way. But if you face one of those challenges and you've been desperate for God and you ask Him and He moved, did He move? Did he, did he move in your life? Did He bring you out of that? See, if you're really honest and you've been through that, we probably just answered the same thing again. 
But it's like going up to a vending machine with two buttons. The big one, you know, God, God spells it out pretty easy. He says, pick me. You know, there's this great big button that says Jesus, okay? You're having a life issue and you walk up to the machine, machine there's a Jesus button and there's this little bitty one. It says me. Do you ever go up to that machine like I have and just stand and look at the me and go, mm, and pick me, 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 me? When all God says, just, you just, you just pick me. Be desperate enough for me. There, when is, again, I told you that I, I encountered some really hard stuff. God asked me this question. I was going through this. He said, he said, Matt, when's the last time that you were completely, utterly, absolutely desperate for me to move in a way in your life? That's not a fair question, God. Yeah, it is. When's the last time that we've been desperate enough for God to move in our life in a situation like this? Normally, it's when we really, really, really need it, isn't it? You guys are, are sitting in some, some chairs today, okay? That room over there, there were some people that showed up this morning at church at 7.30. Like, dressed and actually ready, okay? 7.30. 7.30. And we talked and we prayed for a service. We pray often. But today, I knew what we were talking about. God was very clear to me. He said, you have a lot of hurt coming through that door in your church. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and so there was a group of individuals. Now, you may think this is crazy. But you're sitting in a chair that's been individually prayed for before you even got here today. Today. Why do they pray for a chair? They didn't pray for the chair. They prayed for the occupant that would sit there. And know the people that aren't sitting in the chairs right here. Those prayers aren't wasted. They just, they just go to the nearest person. So if you're sitting with a whole bunch of chairs, you're getting a lot of prayer now. Okay, now listen. We prayed for the occupants of those chairs. Do you know Why? We prayed that God would come into this building during worship, that He would just envelop us with His praise, envelop us with His Spirit. He would, he would use the music, He would use the words. And I, I told those, that group of people, I said, I said, you need to pray for me. I'm just a guy. I asked God to completely move me out of this equation. Just tell me what you want me to say. I don't, I don't want any credit. And those great group of people didn't say, well, whenever you get up to your sermon, could you just mention that we pray? I wanted you to know that. That's what kind of people we have. They desperately want you to know. See, the church in Philippi was furthering his ministry. The people that come here this morning have seen God really move in their life. And they said, we want that for other people. What do we need to do? It's not about what we can do. Look at verse 14. He says, even so, me yeah, dynamic, huge, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then he goes, well, even so. You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Not one place. The only, the only place he says, he says me, but he's, again, he's just giving thanks back to those people. He's not worried about himself. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says this. As you know, you Philippines were the, uh, the Philippians, sorry, Philippines. You're the Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on, for, on from Macedonia. No other church de did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. 
When Paul went on his second missionary journey, he ended up in a town called Philippi. The first convert that they had really, really shocked them. Because it was a lady. And when you study about that, that's where our youngest daughter got her name. Lydia. She was a seller of purple cloth. She was obviously a very good business person because you didn't sell purple cloth unless you were really good. It was a very financially uh, helpful business. But it said that, that, that Lydia was a worshiper of God. But when Paul started talking to her, the Bible says that her heart was opened. And the Bible uses two words that if you have ever seen both of my daughters, one of them is right there, but if you've ever seen Lydia walk, she doesn't walk. No, both of them, one of my kids walk, they just kind of bounce. Okay, skip. And it says these two words. It says Lydia was a joyful worshiper. If you come to dance night, dance party at our house, and we have karaoke set up, you will get the full effect of Lydia being a joyful worshiper. So is Emma. I want them to teach him to be that way. Why? Watch. You know what the... Here, here's the deal. Paul went to Philippi, okay? He, he made this first convert, Lydia. Do you know why, why that's such a big deal? Because Paul didn't want to go to Philippi first. If you read in the Scripture in Acts, Luke's, Luke records this. It says, The Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus, in back-to-back verses, kept them from going to a certain place, so they had to go to Philippi. And what's the big deal about going to Philippi? Well, there's a lady named Lydia. You know why else? From Philippi, they could go west. Do you know what that is? The continent of Europe. See, sometimes God shuts doors just so we'll listen. Just go where I'm asking you to go. Take yourself out of the equation. Let me impact you. Now look what happens. He goes on. He said, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than one time. These people are investing in his ministry. If something honors God and, it's, and, and is beneficial to building His kingdom, it is worth our time, money, and talent. Now, you need to be very, very, very skeptical about where you give, okay? It, it must be God-honoring. It, it must be to further God's kingdom. Don't get caught up in the hoopla of other things. Look at, look at verse 17. I don't th- say this just because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Being in the band, we, we, order, we order things online all the time. We order from like uh, Guitar Center and places like that. But I found a new place. I order a lot of stuff from Sweetwater. They have kind of the same kind of store. But, but you know why we order from Sweetwater? Me and Zach talk about this all the time. You know why we order from Sweetwater? Has anybody ever got a package from Sweetwater? No? Okay. When you get, when you get a package from Sweetwater, what's in it? Besides your thing. Do you know? You remember? The little bag. It's a bag of candy. It's literally, I got like bit of honeys and mints, all kinds of cool stuff. So I got my stuff, plus I got a bag of candy. That's cool. Paul is not saying, I'm going to send you this letter of Philippians in a letter. Don't dig through the envelope looking for the reward of kindness. He's not saying that. Now watch, he's, he's getting to a really good point here. He said, he said this is a benefit for you, the church, as, a, as the giver. When we give, have you ever had anyone give to you? Anything. Food, time, money. I was at a, I was at a concert 
We had a concert, a little thing that we were led worship at. And I had a friend that was two years older than me. Not a year older than me, I think. And I was just, I, I was at a point in my life where I wasn't doing anything that I was supposed to be doing. And it was all about me. Oh, I was a Christian on the outside. Okay, yeah, it's all about me. It's all about me. Uh, and, you know, hey, you guys played a really good worship set. Yeah, I, I was great, wasn't I? Type, type of stuff. And he walks up to me. And he said, hey. I got something for you. I said, okay, what is it? He does this. And he opens his wallet and he hands me some money. That is probably, that is probably the most impactful amount of money that anyone has ever given to me because of the spot in which he gave it to me in. I was in the, I was in the, I was in the barrel. I didn't know. I was just... I know nothing about what God wanted me to do. I, I did, but I didn't want to go. I was running. And he used this gift to come up because he obeyed God. He came up to me. Do you know what amount of money changed my life? Ten bucks. Before I got to that church then I said, God, I'm coasting in here on fumes. I don't even have enough money to get home. We didn't get paid anything for doing the, the worship thing. And I'm like, I just don't have any money. And he walked up to me and he gave me 10 bucks. He said, I just figured you could use it for gas. He didn't ride with me. He had no idea that I didn't have any gas in my car. He met a need. Okay. He met a need in my life. These people had met needs in Paul's life. So he says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward. When we give, it blesses the person we give to, but it also blesses who else? Us, the giver. With the right context and the right heart, the giving results in a blessing. It feels good. It feels really, really good. I mean, I, I've, we, we've taken food over to some people's house before. And, and they, they're like, oh, thank you so much. Or maybe Mary will fix something that you, that you just put in the freezer and you just, it's already done. You just pop it in the oven. Something real easy. And I think, oh man, this is, it felt good to give. Why do we give? Because God given to us. Okay, and that's what Paul's saying. He goes on to 18. He says, at the moment I have all I need. I'm sorry, what? He doesn't say words that make sense. He's in jail. Oh, right now I have all I need. I mean, you see these? These are a lot better than what I was wearing last week. Look about this. I have all I, all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They're sweet smelling sacrifice that acceptable and pleasing to God. Are you content like this? Look at, look at the next verse. Look at verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply. If you are an underliner, if you're an underliner in your Bible, underline this. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You're sitting in, full of, in, in a room full of people that a while ago we answered, we answered the same way on two questions. Have you ever tried to do it yourself and how did that work? Mm. Have you ever had a challenge that you completely gave to God and did He let you down? No. Did He answer your prayer? Yes. Now watch this. A lot of times we want to look at this and say glorious riches and all of a sudden we get, we get huge eyes like we're in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and now we're looking for treasure. Okay, we, we, 
He's not saying, he's not saying this. He's saying, he said, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. He's not talking about money. If I could, if I could, and there'd be a lot of people here that want to be my business partner, but if I could, and if I could start bottling contentment and peace and selling them from my house, I would be a millionaire in a very short time. Do you agree? If I had, if I had, I'm going to get some clients here. Anybody, if I had contentment and happiness and peace, would you buy some? Yeah. We can't buy it. He says he'll meet your needs. But you have to let him get out of the way. Look at verse 20. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. He just, he, he goes, he goes from, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hey, Thank you for blessing me. Bless you. Bless other people. Keep the ministry going. I'm doing good. In fact, I, I got some better chains on than I had last week. Everything's good. I have everything that I need and more. And he says, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. See, look, I got a new chain. He's going to take care of you. Is that not kind of anti-first world thinking here? You have fourth graders arguing which color iPhone 5C they're going to have. They get, just think. Just think. Look at verse, look at the next verse. Verse 21. He says, give my greetings to each other and God's holy people. You know what he's doing? If there's anybody absent when you read this on Sunday, tell them next week when they come back. Listen, this is a newly established church. Go to all the people that I talk to. Go to the people, look, he says, all who belong to Christ Jesus. Ask him how they're doing. Tell them that I'm praying for them. Do you see what he's giving from prison? He's giving from prison. He goes on, look at this. The brothers who are with me send their greetings. <laughs> Some people, a lot of people go, well, who's his brothers in there? There's other people in the prison that can't leave either. And Paul's probably converted some of them. He's, you know why? Because he won't shut up. My dad said that he used to like going to the jail ministry because the people couldn't leave. They had to listen. Now, he says, I just use that in, in comedy, but listen. Can you imagine being a non-believer stuck in jail with Paul? Will you just shut up? Literally, what are you talking about? And then his words begin to make more and more sense. Watch this. Look at this next verse. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings. Two, especially those in Caesar's household. Now you think Caesar is the guy in Philippi, don't you? No. Caesar is Caesar in the Roman government, Caesar. Okay? Roman government. Anti-Jesus. Okay? But there were, there were, Paul knew that in the Roman government, in that social party, there were, there were people that had been converted. And he says, hey, go to my buddies and tell them I said, hey. Paul is in a literal sense. He's giving a blessing. He's, he's showing these people. He's giving them encouragement. And then he says, hey, while you're at it, try to win some more Romans over to Christ. I mean, can you think, he's, he's, Making changes in people's lives. He's showing them the light of Jesus from prison, bouncing it off the people in Philippi to Caesar. He doesn't back down from people. Okay, Caesar's Caesar. And he said, tell them how much I love them and I care for them. And he ends it with this. This, this awesome letter. He ends just like this. Verse 23. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's it. That's all he says. 
We, we, see, we see Paul interact with, with suffering. We see Paul interact in he having joy in the suffering. We see him under rash and harsh, just awesomely bad situations, and he has contentment. And this, is, this is really hard for us to look at. We're in first world America. Really, really difficult. Until we take these two verses very, very seriously. That I can only through the power... This is how, I wish this verse said this. I can only through the power of Jesus Christ exist to bring Him glory. That's what it means. The only way that we get through something is by God's power. And you know how we receive God's power? We need to get out of the way. I must decrease so that He can increase. May the grace of the Lord... Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You know, probably love Paul. <laughs> now listen. The worship, look at your worship handout on the very last blank. It says, have you learned the secret that Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 4? Contentment is only found in Jesus Christ. Now, you're thinking, well, duh, this is what we've been talking about the whole time. Listen, very, very carefully. Contentment is not found in you. Stand back here again. You're not good. I'm not either. I thought I was for a long time. I have an ego problem, arrogance problem. Oh man, I was everything. I was going to get drafted and make so many millions of dollars and everybody was going to know who I was. Guess what? It doesn't matter who I am. That's what Paul's screaming. He says, oh, I'm fine. If I'm in prison, I'm fine. To be perfectly honest, if they kill me, I'm going to win. I get to go to heaven. Contentment is only found in Christ. That, that, <sighs> I wonder how this applies to us today. Bigger house. Man, you know what helped me get through and understand where I needed to be as far as a good husband, a good leader, a good employee, a good whatever, is I had to consistently, on purpose, seek God's face, remove myself from that situation. On my, I remember, I, I remember praying that prayer. I said, God, I am not being a good husband. I haven't done anything illegal. But I am not being a good husband. I don't love Mary like you want me to love her. I don't honor my parents like you want me to honor my parents. I don't have a good attitude with other people like you want me to have. And I saw it on my face. My dad has a really, he asked me a really funny question one time. He goes, when's the last time that you sought God that you actually knew for certain what your carpet smelled like? And he was talking about being face down in front of God in my house. And I did. I was, I was, I was nothing. And I'm still nothing. But we, I sought God with such passion. God, I know that I'm not going to be perfect, but how, how, show me how I can love her. He says, you have to love her like I love you. And that means me get out of the way. Because you know, you know why? I can't love her that much. I'd like to, but I can't. So I, got, I let God love me and I love her. And I try to be I try to be that person. Oh, I mess up. 
But the church in, in Philippi had some of these same people. But you know what they did well? They operated as a unity. As a, as a single unit. They were a body of believers that displayed unity. Through Paul's teaching, they were motivated to live their lives to honor Jesus. With or without everything that they wanted. It wasn't about them. That's what Paul's whole thing is. It's not about me. It's all about Christ. Why? Because he's it. He's it. You know, the, the equation me plus whatever equals not, not much. <laughs> Jesus plus anything you want to put here equals everything. Paul says, if I have Christ, I have everything. Beat me all you want. Beat me all you want, I'm going to preach again and I'm going to be right back here. I'm going to be the best employee I can be. I'm going to, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. Maybe that's something that we need to work on. I do. Maybe that's something I really need to look at this week as we go into our jobs. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word, hear your music. God, hear the words of a, of a song that freedom is here. This freedom that Paul was screaming from prison. This freedom is not in him. The freedom is in Christ. Because we can do all things through Christ. You know why? Because he gives us strength. He is our strength. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything that you've done in our life. Let us be gracious and humble and serve you well. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.